Uh, welcome to Buenta Vista Socialist Club, bonus episode number five. Uh, back with Ben. Hello. Uh, I am still Andrew. Oh. <laughs> I'm also here with Lucy. Hello. And we still have our guest with us, Matt Christman. That's right, I'm still here doing an amazing Australian <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I'll I'll kick right off by saying we were um we were you know planning to do a whole bunch of questions from the mailbag from our patrons, and one of them does ask, "Can he please do the entire podcast in an allegedly Australian accent?" <laughs> Bollocks is you and your bloody allegedly, mate. <laughs> it's a flawless <laughs> bloody Australian accent, and if you don't understand that, you're being a bloody drongo. Bloody drongo. Drongo is such strong <laughs> slang. You're being a bloody drongo, mate. You're a linguistic <laughs> chameleon. You're being a drongo and also the other one that I can't remember right now. What is it? Bogan. That's right. You're a bloody drongo <laughs> and a bogan, mate. If you don't accept that this is a perfect Australian accent. Oh, well, um, just, uh, just so you know, coming back to something that we did talk about on the free episode, which was uh, Jacko. Old mate Jacko. Um, one of his other pop culture appearances was as a as a guest judge on a TV show called Bogan Hunters. Oh hell yeah! It's like a uh, milf hunter, but Bogan. <laughs> slightly different in one crucial way. Yeah. yeah, we just find rough cunts and bang we bang him in the back of a ute. This Bogan's gonna come back to the house. We're gonna have a bit of a rogering with it. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in the back of me, Tirana. A bit of a rogering. <laughs> Go to town on your old tackle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we have some questions nice. for you that we have solicited from our beautiful, sweet, angel-faced patrons who we love so much. They're like my children. Uh, They're yeah. not bogans. And some not, of them are. Not, not one of them. They're all... They probably are. <laughs> If that's how they want to identify, that's fine. But I assume fine. that they are all highly cultured, intelligent people like us. Uh, so, friend of the show, Tal Waterhouse, he has a question, which is, is there any hope of Australia being more than just an upside-down joke nation to America? And how is the Australian Twitterati helping or hindering us move on <laughs> from this perception? Well, I mean, you'll never... You just... You're too far away and you don't have enough people. So you're mm -hmm. never not going to be, like, also ran... You know, that... You have to get over that. You're never mm. going to be, you know, first a first tier country that people think about. Just you're too far away. I'm sorry. You went. You took the boats that they they put you on the boats because you stole corn or whatever, or pigs, <laughs> or tried to have sex with the the sexton's daughter or whatever, and they sent you down there and you killed all the natives. And now you're over there and you're like, hey, what about us? I'm sorry. There's what 27 million of you or whatever. That's not enough. I'm sorry. So you're always going to be an also-ran country. Mm. But I will say that your p Twitter presence is outsized c compared to your global standing. And uh, everyone on the podcast is certainly uh, uh, part of that. Uh, uh, J.R. Hennessy, uh, V. Bridey, uh, you're all doing <laughs> an amazing job of making Australia relevant and interesting to people who otherwise would not care. But I'm sorry, like, that's as far as it goes. So tip of the cap to to the Australian Twitterati for doing yeoman's work. But I'm sorry. It's it's like a it's like an 18-hour flight. It's too far away. I would just like to put on the record that I personally do not endorse anything positive being said about J.R. Hennessy. Uh, Me either. I was, I was ready, to, ready to go in on that. <laughs> not friend oh, of the show, J.R. I did not know that you guys were in a feud. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're mufos. Yeah, he is. Ne he has never wronged me specifically, so I always thought he was a good guy. Me either, but it's just a vibe. He's my boss, which doesn't help. Uh, I am employed <laughs> by him, so uh, oh, no. there's a very strong. <laughs> well, then he's definitely a bloody cunt. Thank you. Correct. <laughs> mm. All bo a b a c. All bosses are cunts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Spot like on. it when Americans say the C word. It sounds really rude. No, I like it. No, it, it does. That's should... the thing. And I really think it comes out of the accent. It sounds Because so I hear you guys say it, and it's, it's kind of nice. Do you want to try it's to like say it? It's a soft, lilting, fun thing to say to someone, like a jocular thing. But there's just something about the flatness of our consonants. Oh, it's so aggressive. It turns it into just, it's like a bullet. 
And so that's why, like, I'm not comfortable saying it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go on the Australian <laughs> podcast. And I'll be able to say it. But, like, I've said it twice now. And both times I felt kind of gross. Just because try doing it. I, I got to say it in the Australian accent. That's yeah. the thing. Just can't. I'll go to do the Australian accent. All bosses are cunts, mate. Yeah, there you go. See, that sounded See, that, fun. See, that felt great. Cunts. Yeah. Cunts yeah. is fun, mate. Now, we're having a bloody... F- oh, I got all my cunts here tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're going yep. to... We're going to have some skewness with me cunts. Oh. One big pack of cunts in here. Yeah, that pack of cunts, mate. But... Do you guys not have schooners? What 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 glass sizes should I be asking I've for? heard of them, but we don't have them here. Uh, But, like, if I were to say... We have pints? I'm gonna, we have pints, yeah. That's about all, all right. we have. They're they're usually not imperial pints. They're sixteen ounces, but okay. yes, that's like the the regular amount of beer you get. All right, okay. We go kind of state to state, and here. then yeah. But if you say like in in the U.S., if you say, "Oh, here's here are my cunts," <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. that's wrong. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna yeah. say that. Too. Yeah, every time I walk into a conversation. Yeah, yeah. When you guys are in Chicago, that'll be a go to. Hey, just try to do your. From from watching TV and stuff, try to and try to do American accents. And when you when you meet people, go, "Hey, you cunts!" <laughs> mm. And just watch their faces, like kind of like, Ugh, as, as they're sort of like they flinch reflexively from that awful, like just percussive concept. We're going to be deported immediately. But yeah, if you were to go, "Hi, cunts, how you doing, mates?" <laughs> we're going to have some skewness. We're going to have some Victoria bitters, mate. <laughs> then it's fine. Start off by playfully calling um, the TSA agent when you arrive um, a cunt. That's a great <laughs> cunt. way to start. Get a cunt. Get a cunt. How you doing, mate? You bloody cunt. Sure, I'll show you me working out or hardly working, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a cunt. You got bloody put a hand up the ass or what? <laughs> I'm ready for you. How am I supposed to get any bombs inside me thongs? <laughs> Hands off me tackle box, mate. <laughs> oh, looking forward to my very short, short time in America. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, so for this next question, I'm wondering, um, is, there a, is there a parallel? This isn't the question itself. This is the context. Is there a parallel in the States uh, to what we have, which are known as single-issue political parties? No, oh God. See, okay, this is good. This is what I wanted to talk about because single issue political parties to me are a, a uniquely Australian phenomenon that are absolutely fascinating. Because you got like mm. the motorists party, right? What is it? The motor enthusiasts? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got yep. the, the hunting and fishing party. Oh, I love those. Guys. Uh, what's that? What's that? What? Nick Xenophon's <laughs> list? What is it? Oh, yeah. Now it's um, Nick, Nick Xenophon team. The Nick Xenophon team. That's it. Mm. And then there's that asshole with the cowboy hat. What's his name? The cat is Australian Bob. party. Yes, Bob. What's yep. Bob? Yes, Bob. What's his name's Australian party? Yeah, and and that is like an artifact of Australian politics, and it's something that I deeply wish we had in the United States <laughs> yep. because we would have we would have in the U.S. Senate we would have guys like Alex Jones, <laughs> you know Val Kilmer probably the Alex uh, Jones gay frogs rights. The, yeah, exactly. There would be something <laughs> called. Dave Navarro's tattoo acceptance in the workplace party. Yep. And it would just be Dave Navarro in in the Senate going, we need to pass legislation to allow you to have visible tattoos in the workplace without being fired. And that would be a single issue. But that's not a bad policy. It's honestly. not. Yeah. Like there are a bunch. That's a good Facebook search. There's a bunch of like tattoo acceptance of the workplace Facebook pages where people are like, this is bullshit. I should be able to go and work at, you know, McDonald's with my tattoo out and not get fired for it. And I agree with them. But I think that would be awesome if we had, like, a single-issue party around Dave Navarro about tattoo acceptance. <laughs> I, I would vote for I'd vote for Dave Navarro. He was the only celebrity oh, yeah. I wow. saw when I was in America last time. I saw Dave Navarro at, like, a vegan cafe. Really? And that was my one wow. American celebrity experience. I was, like, sitting at a table. It's like, holy fuck, that's Dave Navarro. The person I was with was like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> Uh, I think I, I side with you on that. If I saw Dave tomorrow, I would be incredibly amazed. It was wonderful. He was like, not so much because of his, his uh, musical output, but because of Ink Masters, which oh, is absolutely. an amazing program. <laughs> everyone should watch. I'm, uh, uh, I support him for that. He's got and like his anime guitar. His, he does that thing. He has that like he has those things in his back for being lifted up. You know, oh, yeah. Where oh, like they put the like suspension, suspension in hooks, his, in his skin, and then lift him up. And dangle him around. 
It's horrifying mm. and cool. And I wish he would do a Senate speech while being suspended <laughs> from his skin. But so that's why I want. So you guys have these single issue parties, right? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. have like Pauline Pauline Hansen's One Nation, One Australia party, and all that sex party. Oh, the sex party. Yeah, yeah. the sex party. There's a sex party. What's wait a minute? What's the sex? Uh, party? They're just um, like a very progressive. Uh, it's basically just about sex and like legalizing weed. Yeah, hell yeah. Good. <laughs> Vote for that Shout shit. Shout out to the sex party. Vote for that shit, yo. But they're also about net neutrality and stuff like that. They um. They've kind of backed themselves into a corner with their initial let's call ourselves the sex party thing because they actually have a bunch of positions that <laughs> oh, I think most good. young people could get on board with. We 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 once were we were called the sex party, but we would like to re- <laughs> we, we call ourselves the uh, responsible adult <laughs> sexual intercourse and other issues party. We're the, the rooting, rooting party, party now. <laughs> we're the root party. We're the party of rooting, rooting and punching bongs. Cop and a gobby party. <laughs> the rooting and cones party. <laughs> Rooting and cones. That's it. They've got my vote. But, like, it seems like you see that, and that is, it does seem to me to be a very, very specifically Australian thing. Like, there really aren't, like, regular developed democracies that have that. And I kind of, because I think it's a result of the fact that you guys have a lot of the things, basically all of the things in your electoral system that a lot of American lefties for years have sort of dreamed of as a structural way to make the American political system more representative and more effective. Uh, you've got, mm. you've got um, proportional representation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got in the Senate anyway, instant runoff voting, right? Mm-hmm. You've got, got compulsory voting as well. Compulsory. Cause in the United States, we have one party, the Republicans, who as a party have decided that it's their mission to reduce the number of people who vote. Like they intentionally mm. try to suppress voting. And a lot of people say, if we could only make voting more easier. But you guys have gone beyond making voting easier into making voting compulsory. You have to vote. Mm. And we get mm. sausages. You get fined if you don't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, and you get sausages. I've heard about the sausages. They Hell look yeah. delicious. <laughs> so you guys have basically everything we've ever dreamed of in the in the U.S. as a way to make uh, the American electoral system more responsive to voters' needs. But it seems to me, from ob- observation, that that has resulted in a bunch of weirdo single-issue parties and politics that is basically as reactionary and stupid as American politics is. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I think we're somewhat safeguarded against uh, things being Trump-level shit. Like, I mean, I don't want to curse this by saying it, but it's deeply unlikely mm. that we'll end up having, like, at Pauline Hanson or whatever... Yeah, they're like fringe politicians. ...ever now. holding a majority government. I mean, by the same token, it's also similarly impossible that the Greens will ever hold a majority government. But we are... Yeah, because everyone has to vote, we're kind of stuck at a level of moderation that stops us from having completely insane extremists in charge. But is that also what is it? What what is the mechanism? Which one of those mechanisms is it that leads to things like the sex party getting a guy or the uh, the motor enthusiasts party getting a guy, a guy whose only issue is anti hooning legislation? That's right. I know what hooning is. <laughs> Do you um? So are you, are you familiar with the whole um, preferential vote system? Well, yeah, I'm assuming it's like a it's like an instant runoff voting where you rank your preferences, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. I remember. Yeah, that that's been a long term thing, a long time thing among lefties in the U.S. Like, oh, if we could have something like that, then we would have more, you know, left representation in government. But it doesn't seem like you guys do. It just seems like you spawn these weirdos. These weirdo single issue people. Well, in the past, mm. in the past, I would say that when the when the Labour Party was more of a centre left government, I think they were a lot less shy about making deals with more left wing parties like the Greens. Although these days, I think the the Labour Party are working so hard to try to appeal to everybody and go sort of ultra centrist that they're also very scared of being associated with with any party that's seen yeah. as you know very far to the left or and anything. And they also like to imagine while simultaneously trying to appeal to the center that they have a monopoly on actual progressive politics. When yeah. they have none. And so they and they have absolute contempt for the Greens, these young upstarts who think they know how you get progressive progress where actually mm. 
you get progressive progress by not doing anything and by wearing red. Yes. Yep. Um, very similar to the Democrats in that sense, in that um, it's, it's very much a kind of, you know, depending on, depending on who you're listening to, who advocates for the Labour Party, it's very much kind of a, uh, if, you are, if you are to the left, you are automatically obliged to give your vote to the Labour Party. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I realise it's, it's different in the States because I feel like the, the two-party stronghold is way, way, way... Uh, you know, more dominant than it is here. Yeah. Even though it's, even though it's a very strong system, two-party system here, things are changing enough that you can see those two parties slowly losing their grip on I being like gar yeah. guaranteed to win an election. Australians in general just have like contempt for politicians. So as soon as someone comes along that's yeah. just like crazy, they're like, "Fuck you! I'm going to vote for Pauline Hanson." Yeah. Pretty much. Well, that's how people like uh, Bob Catter and that sort of stuff get in. So what I was going to say about the preferential voting system is that you wind up in these situations where parties then um, make deals with each other before elections to say, OK, well, we will direct our preferences to you in this seat and this seat in exchange for either you directing your preferences to us or you putting our rivals last on your on your areas of directed preference. And you wind up with people like um, Ricky Ricky Muir, who was the the representative from the Motoring Enthusiast Party, <laughs> and a good um, soul, and just a good man, and and absolutely frightening um, gnome gentleman Malcolm Roberts. Yeah, I think it's important to point out that like Malcolm Roberts didn't get many votes, and he is still an elected representative because well, of preferential so voting. Yeah, he got seventy-seven. So to, to make it clear, Malcolm Rose, seven, yeah, seventy-seven votes. So he, he got seventy-seven personal votes yeah. for him below the line, but One Nation did get more votes than that as a party. But yeah, it's it's not exactly yeah. like he wasn't chosen because people wanted him to be there. It's just because they didn't want anyone else to be there. Yeah. Yes, it's the people actively voted against someone else, and when when all of the preference, uh, when all the preference stuff had shaken out that he was the person with the most votes, with 77 votes. And then he gets a six-year term as a senator. Mm. So what component of the Australian electoral system made it so that you had a literal maniac as the Labour Party leader in 2004? Uh, that would be just the way the caucus works, the Labour caucus. Uh, mm. He's a forceful personality. I'm sure his faction or fucking whatever was doing well within Labour. Are we going to talk uh, about Mark Latham? Are we gonna yeah, real yeah. Mark Latham hours, because I've only recently found out who this guy is, and he is, he's, he seems like a Mike Cernovich-like maniac, who's yeah, very yeah. familiar to, you know, uh, uh, among, like, you know, just sort of a social media political grifter, but then to hear that he was the leader of the, you know, center-left party in Australia who competed to be prime minister in, what was it, 2004? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, that was sort of mind blowing, and I kind of wonder, like, how could that? Because that's the kind of thing that has not happened here yet. Well, swift mental degradation, I think, is definitely mm -hmm. one explanation for the phenomenon. Brain disease. Uh, brain disease, a series of personal grievances which have driven him to the brink. Mostly uh, that his wife won't sleep with him, which he's been very open about. <laughs> Just really weird. Oh, that was that was fantastic. Uh, did a wonderful segment on his show about how uh, unhorny wives need to just suck it up and have more sex <laughs> with their husbands. Yep, uh, definitely not personal. That's no. amazing. Uh, yeah, he's he's an astonishing man who has had a series of amazing successes in life, which he blew by being an insane person, but mm. then somehow despite all this still believes himself to be like a, a hard done by a, an outsider figure as he's labeled himself mm. sneering at the elites you know mm. so all right so to give you to give you a bit more context about Latham here um i feel it's kind of important to to yeah chart chart him from the start of his career through to when he became leader because as you right, rightly asked how does this happen um, and you could draw an interesting parallel, I think, to um, to former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd, who won um, his election after 
after the Labour Party lost that one under Mark Latham. He won the next one and ousted um, very, very long time Prime Minister John Howard, and um, who we can all credit with taking us into Iraq alongside the states. Mm. Thank, thank you, John. Thank you, Johnny. Friend of the show. I believe we've called him in the past. The first boomerang battalion did some amazing work in Iraq. So, Kevin Rudd uh, was immensely popular um, just on an electoral level. He had a re- really highly rated personal popularity. Um, I'm sure it was partly because he, he looked like a, like a wizened schoolboy. Um, so, he had a bit of a youthful appearance about him. He was just a lot sort of younger and fresher on the scene than John Howard, who was very much the kind of um, very conservative, uh, very conservative, straight-laced politician, very serious. And Kevin Rudd was kind of, you know, nice and friendly and took selfies with everybody and went on like the, the morning talk shows and had a laugh, was having a laugh with people. Um, whereas... By all accounts, uh, the man was an absolute, just an absolute madman mm. behind the scenes. Complete cunt. Yeah, like, so he, he got ousted by his own party midterm. They, they chose to, to um, vote against the leadership of a man with huge, huge personal popularity amongst the electorate that probably would have won them another election. But apparently he was so um, egomaniacal and impossible to work with and micromanaged every aspect of every portfolio um, and was, was, you know, unbeknownst to the public, just completely seizing up the gears of government by being so, so psychotically over-controlling and abusive of every member of staff and every minister and all that sort of thing. So, at least context-wise, that might give you an idea of how somebody could be presented by the party as, as the, the leader while behind the scenes being an absolutely loathed and incredibly cooked unit. <laughs> so, yeah, Latham, uh, he had his whole, during the election campaign, as we talked about recently, the infamous handshake that he did with John Howard. I don't know if you've ever seen the footage of that, but um, I encourage you to look it up because it's, it's really, it's, it's remarkable optics. It's really something. Kind of a precursor to Trump's weird handshakes now. And... Yes, he just he, he comes he just bursts out of a room. I would say <laughs> bursts out of he a doorway. Explodes out of a doorway. <laughs> uh, grabs a hold of um grabs a hold of John Howard's hand and violently shakes it while towering over him and grinning into his face like he's right about to make a murder victim out of him. Um, how so did that not work? The you didn't win though. What the fuck? What's wrong with you people? It should have. It's quite full. You don't see an alpha handshake like that and then decide, okay, that guy's got to be the prime minister. Let's get him in there. It was definitely, I, I think it was one of the first moments where the populace kind of went, uh, uh, what's up with this guy? He's not a well man. And He's not yeah, well. So, so he did not win. He was, I don't know, he either renounced or, or was drummed out of the leadership. Kind of went into the political wilderness. Kept writing columns and doing media appearances in various places. And as Ben said, over the last, I want to say, maybe five years, um, things have taken a turn in Mark Latham's life and career, and he he set about pursuing this series of extremely personal grievances against other figures in the media or in the public, uh, mostly women, mm. usually mm. women, always women. Uh, where where he would he would take issue with something that a a woman had dared to say in public, and then he would write a column in like the Australian Financial Review or the Sydney Morning Herald about how um uh you know any any woman who takes any kind of uh, medication prescribed to her by a psychiatrist uh, to manage like a mental illness or anything is is weak, <laughs> um, and they are betraying their children by seeking any sort of help. Uh, they are deliberately drugging themselves so that they don't have to face up to the horror that is their children whom they hate. What do you reckon has happened to Mark in his life to make him like this? Like, there's got to be some trigger, like Bill Leak falling off a balcony. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I, you know, sometimes when we're talking about Mark Latham, I just kind of want to put the caveat out there that, like, I I don't like to play, like, 
amateur amateur psychologist about people in the public sphere and that sort of stuff. Oh, me either. But he's absolutely he's not well in his head. Yeah, like I I think I think that it's not cool when people you know carelessly th- throw <laughs> throw around stuff about other people's mental state. But I think that anyone who has observed Mark Latham's change in demeanor and the way he talks about things and the the vendettas he pursues against people over the last five or so years would have to conclude that like you're saying something has happened to him or he has taken a pretty severe slide into some kind of mental illness because the man now seems racked with paranoia how you go from from being like you said matt the the leader of of a country's center-left political party to doing like Mike Cernovich Facebook live streams that then get put on like the rebel media's <laughs> anti-Semitic broadcast network. It's a big jump to take in a pretty short span of time. We probably shouldn't give him this much attention. Just keep tweeting at him asking if he pisses his pants. <laughs> He's a pants pisser for sure. He won't sure. block me. He won't block me and that makes me very unhappy. <laughs> so there's just this, at a certain base you guys just, you have all of these structures that in the United States, we look at with envy as a way to democ- to really truly have you know a vox populi in the electoral system, and yet it has mm. resulted in the same sort of grinding shit hell that we have. <laughs> and what the fuck? Well, I... Why? Why? Right. You guys can all you all have to vote, and you get to all pick. Right, you don't here's... have to choose between one. You get to like rank your preferences and all this stuff. How come it all, his, like, all of that still results in the same just shit custard that we are eating? Voter education? Here's the single aspect that I think, yes. Here's the, uh, the single aspect that I think would have the potential to, to change some stuff over there, which is that every election that we have is on a weekend when people aren't working deliberately so that they can go and vote. So that yeah. people from, um, yeah, so that people from different socioeconomic groups yeah, don't we, have we to say... Yeah, we actually let our poor people vote. Yes. Crazy. Uh, we, we, and you can we... vote early and you can do absentee ballots. Right, exactly. And there's so many people could... in America who think if only we could do that, we would, we, would ma- we would have a radically different electorate. We would have radically different political options. But you guys do and you don't. Well, we don't have like the anyway. the scale, <laughs> the scale of like gerrymandering, gerrymandering and redistricting and and all that kind of stuff. We we really don't have that scale of really really blatant rampant voter disenfranchisement. So how come it's how come your politics are basically as bad as ours? How did that happen? I think it's mostly because Australians just don't give a shit. Australians are so apathetic because everything's been so, like, okay yeah. for so long that they literally don't give a shit who the Prime Minister is. I, I personally heap a lot of blame on uh, John Howard's run as Prime Minister because I feel like the, the, the national discourse was completely reformed from, you know, what is, what is a political party's vision for the future? Uh, what are they actually proposing to do with a government that they want to lead? three-word mm. slogans? Uh well, because because John Howard took took power at kind of um you know across the the whole resources boom that we had here, all of the all of our like coal and ore mining that that produced a lot of money, which we have craftily uh, sent all of overseas and not kept any of for ourselves. Um, but what he what he basically turned all of that into was just offering tax cuts to people and pretty much like direct direct financial incentive for people to vote for his party. Um, and it has kind of reshaped the narrative of elections from, and, and particularly um, when, a, when a government announces their yearly budget, it's, it's reshaped um, those discussions from being around, you know, what's, what is this political party about? What is their vision for the future to, what are they going to do for you? What's in it for you? To the point where, when there is a yearly budget now, um, the press press all get locked in and examine it and talk about it for, for a couple of days or a week or whatever. Um, and now every publication, including the ABC, the national broadcaster, frames their coverage as who are the winners and losers of this budget? Who, who, gets, who gets what 
who's better off, who's worse off. It's never about national interest. It's never about a future for the nation. It's never about like trying to get a society working as a cohesive whole. It's like, it is literally, you can go to websites and say, here is my, here's my demographic and here's my tax bracket. And it will give you a dollar figure to tell you how much money you are better off or worse off in the wake of this budget. And yeah, so it's just been like a, a sort of, I don't know, since, since the 90s, it's just been this long slide into the only thing political parties seem willing to appeal to is self-interest. We're also like a racist toilet island. It's probably mm. relevant. Yeah, there's that. That's a big factor. Mm. But yeah, I think, I think the compulsory voting is a, is a, a double-edged sword where, on the one hand, um, yes, you do get a much more representative vote. But on the other hand, uh, you get people to vote who don't give a shit. Yeah. And they just well, like, right. Like I've heard, I've heard of people getting elected to the Senate just because, like, they basically used they they like made up a party name that was very similar to one of the main parties. And yep. David just, friend of the show, David Laneholm. David, libertarian gun nut, David Laneholm. What was his party called? The Liberal Nationals? Liberal, liberal Democrats. Li- liberal Democrats. They had a very so people just logo. like saw that and were like, oh, a Liberal's right, they're smart party, and then they, they just... That's <laughs> exactly what happened. That's exactly yep. how it went down. And That's the it theory. Turned out, turned out he loves guns. Oh, loves, mm. them, loves them so much. Apparently, uh, he seems to think that the, one of the main priorities Australia should have is making sure that more people can have semi-automatic shotguns mm. in and around their homes. What could go wrong? Yeah. I can't think of any other countries where there are too many guns and it's a problem. <laughs> Me either. So I guess it's just your your land is a is an object lesson that if you have if you have shitty people with awful incentives and sort of ideological structures of viewing the world, it doesn't really matter if they can all vote. It's going to still result mm. in hell world. No, I think I think the real problem is. It really is about voter education. There's just, there's not, because, you know, we don't... You're saying we're all dumb as shit? We are all dumb as shit. No, I mean, like, parties aren't working hard enough to actually address concerns that would make people, you know, vote for something that isn't just shitty centrism. Like, I think because our, broadly, our material conditions are better than America's, you know, we have healthcare, our... um, yeah, you got you got a good baseline, and I know that whenever they do those like mm. lists of best cities to live in, like the top five, like three of them are in Australia. We tend to do pretty well, but it means that we people did. now aren't voting on issues that actually affect people's lives. Like we we're saying, it's just trivial shit mm. now. They're like, oh, well, I don't want immigrants coming here. Then that's the only thing I care about because you know, if I break my leg, it doesn't cost me fifty thousand dollars. And I get paid yes, or... a decent amount of money to go to work. Yeah, we have a minimum wage where you don't have to eat snails in the one hour a day mm. that you're not, you know, working. You can if you want to. <laughs> you're free to eat snails. It's not illegal you're yet. So, so the dream for America is that we fix our awful regressive voting system that deeply uh, disencourages the most disadvantaged people from voting. Mm-hmm. And we give mm. them a voice. And they wrench us out of this sort of uh, libertarian hell world that we live in now and create a relatively robust set of social institutions. And at that point, they They all become become incredibly decadent and stupid and lazy and stop giving a shit and vote about shit like uh, whether or not your uh, sugar is halal. Yes. I mean, that's ideally the dream. Important stuff. And, you know, it sounds like the dream. But at least people won't be, you know, dying in the streets, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Well, like, as a, I suppose, as a a parallel to that, as an example, um, like, my my father in law is a a union organizer. And one of the things he kind of says to me regularly is that it it drives him nuts when he is organizing an action on on a work site. And he says, like, a lot of the young guys, you just can't get them, you can't get them on board. They're union members and everything. But he said, you know, if there's something going on at a job site where people aren't being paid properly or there's something dangerous happening, and he goes, all right, well, we've got to stage an action. He said, a lot of these young guys go, oh, why would I do that? I'm getting paid heaps of money. My conditions are really good. Uh, Why would I want to risk 
getting fired over this. They're like, we don't even really need unions anymore. And he says, um, yeah, people, just, there's just enough separation between when conditions were really bad for the people doing that, that the people who are doing it now don't recognize that the only reason that they have the conditions they have is because people undertook those actions in the first place, because people went and had those fights and kept having them. Um, whereas, yeah, I, I think that's probably a pretty good parallel to just just the Australian political state at the moment, which is, like you were saying, Ben, everybody's everybody's got a pretty good baseline of existence. You know, everyone's got access to to public education and a public healthcare system, and mm. you know, like uh, and and unemployment benefits, and there's there's pensions and there's disability pensions and stuff like that. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't wait for the day when Americans have reached that level of complacency. <laughs> right now, if they're complacent, but just in hopelessness, as opposed to being complacent mm. in, you know, sort of uh, uh, material security. Yeah. So I'll, I would certainly accept that as in in favor of the alternative, which we live. What I li- we we live in here is this this breathtaking thing of where people are genuinely bereft in many myri- serious material ways, but have been so uh, so successfully sort of conditioned to believe that there is no remedy for it, that it's the way it is, that it's like mm. weather. Yeah. Uh, particularly on the right wing where they believe that uh, the idea that they could be helped out of it is a moral affront as well. You know, people that yes. do live in horrible conditions, but their conservatism leads them to be like, oh, no, I don't want you to help me. You know, I, I, we'll, we'll sort this out. Bootstraps. Yeah, we don't have that level blah, of blah, conservatism. Blah. Oh, we do. I don't think but... our right no, but... is as horrible. Yeah. They They're... still want help. I, I think there is, yeah. there is a parallel, though, to the complacency around the, the dominance of the two-party, like the two-major-party system, um, which is... Just the the narrative that seems to coat everything, which is that if you vote for any party that is not the Labour Party or the Liberal Party, who currently have you know enough elected members that that it makes it easier for them to form a government after an election, if you don't vote for either of them, you are wasting your vote. You're basically just mm. just chucking your vote in the dunny, and and it drives me nuts because it's such a it's such a like self-fulfilling prophecy of of course if everybody believes that that voting you know for anyone who isn't one of those two major parties is fruitless and then they don't do it then of course you won't be able to actually change yeah but like you're big you're big you're big like non two-party left option is the greens right yeah yeah Hmm. and they are to me, it seems almost universally a bunch of bird watching dipshits. <laughs> well, we had some that weren't, and then we just lost them in the last week. Uh, yes, because neither of them had checked which country they were born in. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> they honestly like they were yeah. two of the best politicians we had across the spectrum, and just like losing one of them. You're like, oh, this is so fucking stupid, and then losing the second, you're just like, well, there's no point. I'm done now. This the is... Greens have been, they've been going to shit for a while though. I mean, since Richard yeah, but Dinatale. at least like, yeah, like uh, what what I would say about the 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 Greens in Australia, and and it's worth noting that you know they they get around like twelve percent of the vote, um, think or or that they hold like twelve percent of the seats. They did the, it right, not the, the last House election, reps. but the one before that. And then they became yeah. centrist cucks. <laughs> and they had to then they suddenly had to hear both sides. Yeah. Um No, but the thing the thing I think it's worth noting about the Greens here is that um all of our all of our major party politicians all are absolutely addicted to just that fucking worthless um, you know, political nothing speak where they refuse to actually say or not say anything in any statement that they give. It's all just this watery non-language where they can be asked a direct question five times in a row and talk for 15 minutes and not answer the question. Whereas when, generally speaking, when I listen to uh, someone from the Greens, like uh, our dearly departed friend of the show, Scott Ludlam, (laughs) um, 
there were pe- people like them where when, when I listen to them speak on a topic or when they are asked about something, they speak like a human who is talking about something that they actually believe in. And which should should be the lowest and bar usually for public in representation. Australian politics, when someone says, I like them because they say what they're actually thinking, it means they're extremely usually racist. Usually racism, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, Scott, though, that is usually show, not, not racist to my knowledge. Hmm. Not that I'm aware no. of. Well, not that has come, yeah, come up. They're the only politicians that I listen to where I'm like, oh, you, you know, you don't have to use all of this incredibly tortured um, language of, of non-statement because you're just, you're just talking about a thing that you would gladly vote in favour of and speak on behalf of, you know? And it's a quality that's sorely missing from Australian political discourse and is a huge bummer God, for those got, guys. We've gone. got serious on this bonus episode. Mm. What are we doing? I know. All right, well... In that case, let's let's move to another question. Let's take a a question. serious question. I can't even remember what the question is. It's a serious is. question. Oh, hell well. I can't even remember where we started. That's what it was. Yeah. A hellish nightmare. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll, um... <laughs> well, let's have a less serious question in between. Uh, friend of the show, CDK, asks, What that mouth do? <laughs> uh, that mouth, <laughs> uh... That mouth advocates for, uh, socialism, my friend. That's God that bless. Mouth, yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. yeah. This mouth sucks dick. That's a good thing. Does mine, personally. <laughs> Andrew? <laughs> uh, my... As a, as a parent of two very young children, my mouth is mainly used for just constantly mainlining coffee. That is... <laughs> That is about all I do anymore is drink, like, three litres of coffee Would a day. Would you say you'd mainline coffee-fee? I don't know why you've done that. <laughs> We're having a perfectly fine podcast episode. <laughs> I'm so the, sorry. The podcast sorry. is cancelled. You know what your mouth does, the Lucy? Podcast. It fucking ruins episodes of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I remember what that question was that we didn't even answer. What? All right. Because we got way the fuck off track. The actual question was from friend of the show, Pudg, P A D G, Padge maybe. I don't know. How do you want to? How do you want to pronounce that? The question was that I started off <laughs> presenting some context about, and then we never got it to the question itself. Oh. If if you were starting a bizarre single issue Australian political party, <laughs> oh, yeah. which issue would it be for? Okay. Oh, well, we've good. already discussed how if I was gonna like watch one come into existence, it would be Dave Navarro's mm-hmm. tattoo acceptance of the workplace party. Mm-hmm. But if it was going to be led yeah. by me, if I was gonna be conceive and lead it, uh, it would probably be um, the abolish uh, metal currency party. Oh, you just done? Ooh. Yeah, we we, wow. we got coins. We we do have. We've coins. got more coins. You know, I'm you, assuming actually. because you're not. Our idiot country, you don't have pennies, right? You don't no. have one yeah, cent. Yeah, we don't have. We don't have fucking stupid. We money, have five cent coins, and we... even then, they're useless. I've thrown some in the bin before. Yeah, I get rid of again. all of those because we still have pennies, and the very existence of pennies is just—it is like a mocking reminder of how broken our institutions are in this fucking country. That yeah, that's right. Here is a thing. This little stupid fucking thing. It is. It costs more to make than it's worth. And there are still a zillion of them in circulation, and we keep pumping them out. There's zero chance of ever getting fucking rid of them, because there's a goddamn copper or nickel or whatever the fuck uh, lobby that is way more invested in keeping them than any any lobby group could ever muster in getting rid of them. So they will exist until the end of time. We're all going to be fucking bleached bones, and they're going to still be pumping out fucking... Uh, pennies at us. Be like, so get well, rid could... of fucking metal currency. That's my party. You could you could catch up to us because we used to have one and two cent coins, but we no longer mm. do. And we have so to be getting rid of out. five soon at some point. Surely the f- yeah, it's on. It's yeah. on the, the fives. New Zealand go. doesn't have cards. fives. New Zealand's only got a ten. Well, that makes sense. the only well, good thing they've ever done. Why don't you just move to New Zealand? They're always ahead of us. Maybe I will. Those Kiwi bastards. Hmm. Uh, I'm assuming that Lucy would start a gamers' rights party. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I get bullied so much on this podcast. I don't know if that's true. No, I think I think <laughs> in Australia you could literally become the prime minister with like fucking single issues, like stupid bullshit, like paying twenty cents for tomato sauce. 
<laughs> can we can we explain that to Matt, please? Wait a minute. What? What is tomato sauce? What is that? I believe you call it <laughs> like ketchup. Cat- catsup. Uh, I, I think ketchup. ketchup. <laughs> wait a minute. You gotta pay for. Wait a minute. You gotta pay for ketchup? Yeah, you gotta pay for it, and people get furious. Well, as well they fucking should! If you tried to charge people for ketchup in this country, there would be gunfights in every city in America. <laughs> Free ketchup is a God-derived right. Agreed. I'm gonna I'm gonna resurrect a similar pedantic issue to the cookies versus biscuits debate, <laughs> um, which is that I believe uh, tomato sauce and ketchup to be two different no. things. What? No, they're, they're, they're not. factually not. Well, what the yep. fuck is tomato sauce then? If it's not, <laughs> oh, it's more, it's more vinegary. It's uh, a thinner consistency. I think you're just buying the wrong brand. I think so. Yeah, that's the thing. No, I think like, I am buying the right like, brand. I've been to the UK and I've had ketchup there, and it was thinner and sweeter and not good. But I just figured that <laughs> that's just it. Just means well, a different well, thing. Well, here. Here it is sold as tomato sauce, and like Rosella tomato sauce sucks ass. It's terrible, uh, and that is why I buy Heinz ketchup. Are you hmm. actually paying ketchup. you for this? How much they paying you? Heinz is the best. It's scientifically proven. Heinz is the best ketchup. It's the only one to get. It's, yep, it's Heinz has gotten to both true. of you it's true. before this episode. <laughs> Big sauce lobby. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yes. Heinz got to me in that I have. For my entire life, enjoyed their superior, <laughs> scientifically derived, perfect type of ketchup. You're a chump right. if you're eating any other ketchup. That's right, it is fundamentally I different. Respect the hustle. <laughs> Should we take one more question? Do one more. Let's yeah. Do it. We're gonna run on from that question um, to just a question from a friend of the show, Connor Stokes. Uh, do you think there is room in the Australian culinary landscape for mac and cheese with ketchup? Given the recent widespread condemnation that a certain set of ketchup-laden nuggets received, what the we, fuck? We're talking about uh, Theo's disgusting. Well, we're talking about nugget image. We're talking about two things here. We're talking about how uh, Matt likes to eat uh, mac and cheese with ketchup on Which it. Which is wrong in in the Canadian and style. In the, the Canadian tradition. Yes. Mm. What's the other thing? What's the? What are these nuggets? What are these talking about? So, 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 previous guest, previous guest, friend of the show, um, he's probably somewhere in Ben's local vicinity right mm. now. He actually uh, just invited me and, to beers uh, about two minutes ago I'll while be. we were talking. There you go, uh, Theo, who you you may have seen on Twitter as um, Ayn Randy at Ayn Randy. Oh or, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Ayn Randy, or um, who recently posted a photo of a of a a packet of um, chicken McNuggets. Um, dotted in a chaotic way with just he scattered individually tomato sauce. sourced each one. Instead of just picking up the nugget and dipping it into the sauce, he had put a tiny mm. dollop on every single nugget it made in people the packet. Furious! It made people. It's furious. an insane person's way of it. eating nuggets. That's a sociopath. <laughs> it's not right, and I, I think we as a show are publicly condemning him now, as he well should be. Enemy of the show. Oh, ooh, let's not. You can't just <laughs> I throw won't, that. I won't go that far. You can't throw that term around. Not everyone's That's on a... Marvin's level. <laughs> yeah, we only have one enemy of the show, and it is Boner Man Incorporated. Mm, yeah. I, uh, I wish you'd unincorporate. I think I said that last time, but I, uh, <laughs> I stand did. by it. Well, I mean, I obviously can't judge him because I am, you know, a man of, of very controversial ketchup-related tastes. <laughs> Many people have reacted very violently to my preference for <laughs> the Canadian-style uh catsup mac and cheese i even i had some today and people were very mad at me again so uh i mean i would not i would generally not pick ketchup as a condiment for nuggets i would go with something like uh barbecue sauce but Mm. i i certainly can't judge someone else for making that choice (laughs) i should note i should note here that um that's my wife eleanor i'm sorry who Uh, my wife (laughs) my wife borat uh (laughs) <laughs> uh, my wife Eleanor, who can be found on Twitter at Milf Money, one of her favorite comfort mood meals is to just um, cook some dry pasta and then have the pasta in a bowl covered in tomato sauce. Oh God! Yeah, see, that's a bridge yep. too far for me. That's like the end of Goodfellas <laughs> when Henry Hill says, "I, I asked for uh, spaghetti and marinara sauce. They gave me egg noodles and ketchup." <laughs> You got to have ah. some cheese in there. Mm. Unbelievable. 
It's true. We all we all eat some horrible I things. I don't. Do. No. Well, you guys eat Vegemite, which is like to me seems the pretty best. horrifying. Oh, delicious. Oh, mate, you have a toasted cheese and Vegemite sandwich, it'll change your life. Oh, I'm thinking about one mm. now. Well, it just oh. sounds like, from what I understand, it's just like, it sounds like it's incredibly salty. Yes. It is. Yes. Mm, very much. I love um, Well, yeah, I would ask you, what, what to you sounds unappealing about a product that is called uh, yeast extract? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I'm not against anything in principle, but from what I've heard, it's just very salty. And it's just that sounds a little one note. It sounds a little sort of overwhelming. Like you're just taking a bite of a salt lick or something when you enjoy. Vegetables. Well, it's got a little. It's got a little something to it. It's almost got like a um, because it is just pitch black. It's got almost soyish, soy sauceish note to it. I would say it's also been used for many blackface incidents. <laughs> Has it? That seems like it'd be really hard to spread on a face. It's quite thick. I've definitely seen some Vegemite blackface in the mirror when you were doing it. <laughs> Just last night. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, oh dear. Yes, it shouldn't. It shouldn't shock me that that has happened uh, in Australia, with its proud history of doing blackface and then pretending to not get why there's a single with interest blackface party would take you all the way mm. to the top. <laughs> Lucy Valentine's yeah. blackface, no, not that bad party. <laughs> mm. We we regularly have like national debates where. There will have been a party where everybody went in blackface and it winds up in the news and then there will just be like public debate about PC if gone mad. Okay. It's nearly universally yeah. an AFL player as well that has stirred up the controversy. Always. <laughs> Always. I'm Jacko of the Blackface Normalization Party. We're here to make blackface normal. So that you can do it uh, for fun, and no one will uh, say anything about it anymore. I believe that's Jacko doing his character Blacko. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on that very classy note, mm. uh, we might leave it there. Let's do that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show, Matt. Thank you. I, yes, yeah. thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Cheers, cunt. Cheers, cunt. I've learned a lot. <laughs> Cheers, cunt. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe the guys will see you over there in Chicago. Yeah, I very much hope so. I'll try to. I'm just going to yeah. assault you with Tim Tam. Mm. Fuck me up, fam. That's all I have to say. If you're going to buy him a jar of uh, Vegemite, just get him like one of, you know, like the tiny, um, like, barfridge-sized jars oh, of, yeah. of Vegemite. Oh, yeah. You don't want to get a regular-sized jar and find out you don't like it, because that, that'll just stay with you forever, like That's herpes. True. Uh, all right, so we will leave it there. Thanks again. All right. And I uh, will see you soon, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.